Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hi everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode 34. This episode that we're calling The Wonders of H2O. <laughs> so, and it really is a wonderful thing to have water, and especially for birds during the summertime and in the winter too. And we're going to talk all about that today. Oh, John, you know, really another podcast about water out there, water and <laughs> birds. But you know what? I'm looking forward to this because, um, you know, I challenge everyone stick around. We're going to be talking about some interesting, fun facts and things that you're not going to hear anywhere else about birds and water. And even one of those other things like how are birds and dogs the same when it comes to <laughs> dealing with water? I can only imagine, Brian. So anyway, <laughs> stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, Brian, fresh back from vacation, raring to go for our next episode here on oh, the podcast, the Nature Centered Podcast. So, you bet. How, how were your travels? It? Yeah, how were your travels? <laughs> Mine were great. Uh, absolutely fun, totally unplugged for like 10 days. So you can't get any better than that and go out into the wilderness, listen to birds, hang out in nature, be with friends and family, and just chill. It was yeah, absolutely, actually absolutely, absolutely awesome. Uh, we were in the Northwoods up in the UP of Michigan, the Upper Peninsula, and just relaxing at Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore, Lake Superior, did some kayaking, mostly backpacking, and just being out away from everything. Yeah. And oh, the sunrises, the sunsets, it was it was awesome. Kind of ironic. You didn't, we didn't plan it this way, but I ended up in Michigan also, and uh, <laughs> I wasn't quite as far north as you. We were just south of Traverse City uh, in the... Uh, Frankfurt, Michigan area, and, and beautiful Crystal Lake is, they always promote it, this beautiful Crystal Lake. And so it's very crystalline, right? Yeah, it's actually, it's amazingly clear. It is unbelievably clean water. For those of us here in Indiana, where we're used to muddy water on almost every one of our lakes and, and creeks <laughs> and rivers, to go up there and see this beautiful, blue, clear water was amazing. Oh, and, yeah. And been doing it for years. It is one of the things that draws us back there every year. And some good birds. We had some yeah, good birds. Yeah. We, uh, again, paddled the uh, Platte River, which was kind of, uh, and you did the kayaking on the Platte River. Kingfishers. Gosh, you, you know, you'd see one and all of a sudden there'd be two or three more chasing each other, you know. And oh. you know, yeah, that's a really cool thing on kingfishers to see. Oh, and, and I love that call. And they're running yeah. the rivers. And, yeah. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the uh, number of kingbirds along the, the stream, Ooh, yeah. you know, along the, the uh, riverbanks. It was pretty amazing. Always chattering and zapping uh, you know with their little, the little electric zzz, call. kind of yeah, electric yeah. call yeah. yeah we had we we had one kingfisher in our entire travels but i was really looking forward to a particular warbler because i knew where we were going to be mm -hmm. there are a handful mm -hmm. of different warblers that are all nesting that just passed through indiana and passed through so many of the the southeastern states the black-throated blue warbler and my entire goal for this trip i wanted to hear the black-throated blue warbler talk because the mnemonic that they say when they, they sing is, I'm so lazy, I'm so lazy, and that's what I wanted to be on this vacation. We hit the trail, very first day, half mile in, and there's one singing. I'm like, yes, and everyone everyone stopped and I'm like, what's wrong? And I'm like, 
It's the black throated blue warbler. He's singing about yeah. being lazy. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would have. They also said the mnemonic says beer, 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 bee. <laughs> so I thought you would have picked the beer one, Brian. But this, uh, <laughs> this was, this was a, a non beer trip. We were with some scouts. So there you go. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, Evan, our producer, which I hope you guys got a chance to listen to Evan's uh, uh, take on our podcast uh, in the last episode, because he. Uh, you know, we, we take it very serious. We don't want to miss out on an opportunity to send a podcast your way every other Thursday. So Evan stepped up to the plate and uh, did a great job. So first of all, we just like to thank Evan for doing that. And yes. And if you haven't listened to it, go back, listen to it. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a pretty good episode. And it's funny because today he's talking about, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about water. And he mentioned that, ironically, both you and I, Sought out water on our uh, on our vacations, so <laughs> <laughs> we, we retreated to water. <laughs> yeah, we're no different than the birds, I guess. So this has been an interesting summer, and in regards to water and birds and the need for water, yes, there's been some pretty serious stuff going on with a lot of heat and some of these mm -hmm. fires that oh. we're seeing all across the western part of the United yes. States, an extreme drought over much of the West. So this is. Oh, much of the West and the Western provinces in Canada. I mean, really, even to what they call those exceptional exactly. drought episodes. And now there are fires. I mean, from Ontario out to British Columbia and then pretty much the Western yeah. half of the United States. Yeah. Kind of timely talking about water and how all of this comes into play. So it's really important. And one of the things we're going right. to talk about is how you can provide uh, uh, water. Uh, for your birds in your backyard and we'll talk a lot more about the importance of water to the birds most definitely the single probably most important thing you can do to widen the variety of uh, types of birds in your backyard and maybe even up the number sheer volume of birds in your backyard mm -hmm. is simply have some source of water in your backyard, whether it's a bird bath or a little fountain or whatever it might be. So we always talk about that, but we I'm not sure we've given a whole lot of detail as why that water is absolutely so crucial for birds and, and why they need water. Having a source to drink, uh, and just like people and any other creature, basically, you need water to drink because you need to be able to stay hydrated. It's the importance of being able to bathe. And I, I tell you what, you go out into the wilderness with a bunch of scouts for a week and <laughs> <laughs> you start to realize the importance of bathing. Bathing. And uh, <laughs> for yourself and others. Are they trying to keep their feathers clean or what? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to run with that one. Um, yeah. Our uh, <laughs> fly. You know, you know, maybe last a little while without washing your hair, but there are certain things that it's a... From a, a person's standpoint, it's a little nicer to clean up and bathe a little bit. <laughs> Birds, and it's not an odor issue. It's a feather issue. And it's keeping those feathers in really good condition because uh, we talked about in our refresh and refeather episode and the specialtiness of feathers and how there are so many different feathers on a bird that all have different specialties that the bird mm -hmm. utilizes them for. And, and one of those is flight. It's a pretty obvious one. Um, <laughs> but, but you got to keep your feathers in good condition for flying. And a lot of times bathing helps them do that. Uh, you know, it's really fun. You, you get a water feature in your yard and whether that's a bird bath or something more elaborate, but to watch the birds come in 
and bathe. And when they're bathing, they're getting those feathers wet. So then they can actually preen themselves, which is a really cool thing that they're doing. You want to talk to that part? Well, you know, it's one of the things that's funny to me is, is you know, I, I remember writing something one time just talking about how much fun it is to watch birds in a in a fountain or a bird bath or a little, you know, stream in your backyard or whatever it might be. They do seem to enjoy it. You know, they kind of jump up and down and they're fluttering down in there. It's, it's almost just, like they're dancing or yeah, playing. Yeah, it's, it's a fun thing to, to watch. And, and, of course, it's very serious business for them. I'm mm-hmm. sure it right. has nothing to do with having fun. <laughs> uh, it's not but, like us going to the beach or the pool saying, I'm going to go exactly. relax and play. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it is really important right now, too, especially out in our western uh, portion of the U.S. and Canada. And we've had some incredibly hot uh, days mm-hmm. this summer out in those areas and areas that never get the kind of heat that they've seen, um, you know, here in, in this summer. And then of course we've got all, as you already mentioned, all the wildfires. Oh, that, are that heat just, and that dryness yeah. that then contributes to wildfires. Yes. So I just couldn't, you know, uh, express strongly enough how important it is to, if you have the opportunity to provide water for your birds, especially if you're out West, uh, it really is crucially important because, you know, Brian, I think you mentioned, this is how birds, you know, birds actually don't sweat. Right. <laughs> you know, they don't, <laughs> they're not like us. They're not slimy sweaters like we are. They have no ability to sweat. So their ability to stay cool, and I think you mentioned it, Brian, mm-hmm. it has something to do with your your favorite dog, right? Being just like a dog, right? They have to yeah. pant. Pant to to get that cool down, get that respiration transfer. If you want to get into some of those scientific terms, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Dogs and birds both pant. But it's, right. it's actually kind of interesting. If you've ever seen it uh, on a really hot day, you will see a bird and they're you know they have their beak open and they're literally just panting, breathing mm-hmm. in and out. And it's that circulation of the air coming in and out that helps cool their body off. And that is. It comes at a big price, and that is it, it, it evaporates or not evaporates, respirate, you know, a lot of moisture, mm-hmm. and they become dehydrated fairly rapidly uh, when they're forced to do a lot of panning to stay cool. So, again, water. Yes, and it's interesting. You, some people might be thinking, well, well, why don't we? You know, why don't people get dehydrated like that? Hmm. Uh, and you, you think, if you think about the biology of a person, we have a one way air system we breathe in. And the air comes in, hits dead ends, and we breathe out, and the air comes mm-hmm. back out. But a bird's lungs are set up differently. It actually doesn't hit a dead end, keeps rolling through yeah. in their respiration yeah. system so yeah. that uh, it's it's hitting more surface areas in some respects and, and like you're saying, can help dehydrate them. And, you know, most birds kind of – it's kind of interesting because they, they put their – beak down in the water and they kind of like fill their beak up with water and then they tilt their, raise their body and tilt their head back. Mm-hmm. And literally are just kind of gulping down the water one billful at a time. Yeah. And, and it's kind of fun to watch them do that. I actually was just <laughs> watching a chickadee just a few minutes ago doing that very thing. So, but not all birds do that. There are a few, nope. not a lot, but there are a few exceptions to the rule. Definitely, John. And one of those exceptions to the rule would be a bird that's Drinks very much like a horse. Who knew? <laughs> you look at doves, like morning doves, uh, they don't tip and 
roll that beak full of water one at a time back, they actually can approach water, stick their bill down in the water, and suck up that water like they're drinking through a straw, similarly mm-hmm. to what mm-hmm. a horse does. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really cool because you think all the birds are the same, right? And they and they do it really quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they typically come to water, you know, morning and, and evening, you know, and they're just a matter of, what, 30 seconds. They get an or entire less. day yeah. or an entire night's worth of water, and they're gone. And of course, when you're especially a morning dove <laughs> and, and you're high on the list of, of uh, menus for a lot yes. of other animals and birds. I, I think uh, we've referred to them as the rabbits of the bird world because everyone's yeah. eating them, everyone's yeah. hunting them. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be sitting out in the open very long. And so I think, honestly, this is probably an, an adaptation that's occurred over the eons to get in, get your water, get the heck out before something finds you and starts trying to get you. So. Right. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Suck up all that water. Boom. I'm out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, some of our most common house backyard birds, uh, you know, we've got a couple of birds uh, that are mostly vegetarian, our house finch and our goldfinches. Mm, yes. And as such, they need a little bit more water than maybe the, you know, if you're if you're an insect eater and you get a big, crunchy, juicy insect, that's actually going to give you some of your moisture, and you don't need open water as much. You still need it, but you wouldn't need it as, as much right. in most cases. But those seed eaters, those vegetarians, like you're talking, most of our finches, like you said, house finches and goldfinches, Cassin's finches, purple finches, 90% or more of their diet generally is on seeds. And yeah. the seeds are don't have really a whole lot of moisture. And so that's why you're going to see so many finches show up to a water feature and drink uh, and and drink a lot, actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how much of their body weight are they drinking in water a day? So if you're 21, 21 gram bird and then you're drinking 40% of your body weight, we still have to do math. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you cut that in half, right? Okay, 10, 10, 10 yeah. grams of water. 10 grams of water. How's that? <laughs> Could you imagine... You know, like a 200-pound person on average having to drink half their body weight a day, that's 100 pounds of water. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, a that lot of water. mind-boggling, isn't it? That is mind-boggling. And any, oh. anyone out there that wants to do the math, water generally is about 8 pounds per gallon. So you just run run that run those numbers. <laughs> Not in my head. I think we established that on a previous episode. No math in my head. I must use the calculator. Well, I tell you what, maybe we should, uh, hopefully we've made the case that uh, water is crucially, vitally important to our birds. And especially during summers like the one we're having right now with some incredibly extreme heat and unfortunately lots of fires. So why don't we come back and share a little bit about how people can cater to the birds in their backyard by providing water. How do we, Brian, you know, we haven't really given any specifics on, because there's so many different ways to provide water. And there's so many different things. Like, like I, my, yes. Top yes, of my head. Are. It's one of the strangest but most entertaining things is if, if you have a hummingbird feeder, the type that has the ant moat. Oh, It actually yes. is in the center. I know, you know where you're going with that one. I know. How much fun is it? 
to have the, the you know, little chickadees and and I have goldfinches that come to mind. <laughs> goldfinches, you know, here you've got a hummingbird feeder out. They're not coming for the nectar. No. They're coming for the water that's in the ant moat to keep the ants out of the nectar. It's like yes. and the, and it become regular <laughs> customers. It's like I have to go out and fill my ant moat like daily when oh, I yes. don't have to fill up the hummingbird feeder for two or three days, you know. So that's like, that's exactly what's happening at ours. And it's the yeah. window hummingbird feeder. And it has more water in the ant moat that surrounds this hummingbird feeder yeah. because it's mounted against the window. So it has this really great ant moat uh, where a lot of times the hanging feeders have just a tiny little ant moat. Yeah. So yeah. It, and if I had one of those, I'd have to refill that little pittance of water multiple times a day. Because right. these goldfinches, I have multiples <laughs> coming in. They're draining it dry. They are draining and, it dry. And then maybe circle back real quick. <laughs> so what is an ant mode? John and Brian, what the heck are you talking about an ant mode? So the bottom line is an ant mode is basically there are many species of ants who are attracted to nectar, sugar water. So one of your challenges is keeping the ants out of your nectar. And what the you know going way to do that is if you put a moat of water in between the access. So in other words, you've got your little hanger, and the ants crawl up the wall and they come out on the on the hook and they go down that hanger. If there's not water in between that hanger and the rest of the feeder, they will get right onto the feeder and get into the nectar. That little bit of water that's in there. Many, many ant species will not cross it. Right. So who knew, right? Who knew? Somebody along the line <laughs> came up with that. And so almost every, you know, not every, but a lot of hummingbird feeders have a built-in ant moat to help you combat uh, ants and to keep them out of your nectar. Absolutely correct. And that's why pretty much any Wild Birds Unlimited hummingbird feeder has a built-in ant moat. You know, when you talk about hummingbirds, I know it's one of your favorites, and that's a mister. Talk oh, about yeah. hummingbirds. Gosh. I love misters with hummingbirds because hummingbirds love to play in misty water. Uh, you ever get a rain shower, and if you have any kind of foliage, leaves, is dripping water, um, hummingbirds will actually sidle up to those little wet leaves and rub yeah. up against them or let the yeah. water drip on them. And, and even if they don't have a perch, they'll fly up against them, which is amazing to see because you're thinking – what is that bird doing? This tiny little hummingbird's like brushing up against a wet leaf. Mm. Well, they're using that as a water source, like yeah. a little shower for themselves. <laughs> so you're getting a little peek into the, the the showering of a hummingbird out in nature. You know, on a similar note, one of my all-time favorite things in my backyard is I've got a, a, a it looks like a big pot, big vase. And it's got a little fountain that the water comes out the very top of it. And, and the very top has a little bird bath type you know, bowl, but one side of it. So the water comes out of the, the birdbath area and cascades down the side of the, the vase and then into another uh, place that collects the water and recirculates it. And hummingbirds love to come up exactly leaf bathing, but this time they're just rubbing up against that little corrugated side where the water's rushing down. And that thin, and little, be, thin little layer of water yeah, going down, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's one of my favorite things in my backyard. And of course, then the the upper portion, the, the, the bird bath that is, is visited by all kinds of different birds using that part, portion of the vase. So that's absolutely one of my favorite ways to present water in my backyard. Yeah, one of the other ways I really love to put out water in a yard is just a simple bird bath. And you have a, a nice sloping bird bath. And we always talk about, you can go talk to any of the certified bird feeding specialists at a Wild Birds Limited store. And they'll tell you, you want a good bird bath that allows some gentle slope 
mm-hmm. so that the birds can actually walk to the depth of water they prefer to bathe in. Otherwise, if you just have a, a sheer sides on a bath, because right. a lot of bird baths have those, right? And you think, okay, so here's a nice bath, and it could be a, an inch deep or five inches deep or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to hop into that water unless there are different levels so they can go to their comfort level. So if you ever see the birds just sitting on the edge of your bird bath drinking and they never go inside, think about how can you vary the levels in there. So if it doesn't slope, then you could put other things inside and yeah. you know it could be little rocks it could be yeah. decorative rocks or different size rocks or whatever whatever you have i've even used uh saucers for like uh plant pots yeah. that little saucer and put those down inside there so it gets different depths you know who, who likes to jump into the deep end of a pool when you can't see the bottom right there you go there you <laughs> murky go. water exactly what, right what, how deep is this <laughs> <laughs> Bird doesn't have little eye goggles to put on and go diving mm-hmm. with. So there you go. <laughs> Actually, one of the things I use in mine because it, it, and this is a pet peeve for you and I too. You know, I, the fact that I use a piece of limestone. You know, here in Indiana, we got lots of limestone. Yeah. So I use a nice flat piece of limestone. That nice and decorative, permits, right? Yeah, and it makes a nice little surface with just a little bit of water over it. And it's one of our little pet peeves that so many bird bass out there are not made to be bird bass. You know, yeah, bird can get a drink in them, but they're, they're not going to be able to. Yeah. They're bird fountains. And not even are, water fountains. They're just yeah. little, well, yeah. <laughs> they're bird drinking glasses. That's probably and, more accurate. Yeah. Well, you know, the, probably the best way to illustrate how birds, you know, how this is important to birds to actually use it to bathe in is if you think about where you have seen birds like robins or cardinals mm-hmm. or whoever bathing, typically like after a rain shower, where yep. are they? Yep, yep. You know, they're out in the driveway or they're out in the, the street or in the parking lot in those little puddles. I mean, they're little bitty puddles that are, you know, maybe quarter inch deep, quarter inch deep, <laughs> and they're just having a blast in there, and they're, you know, wiggling around and shaking around and jumping up and down, and you can have that activity walk- in your yeah. own yard, yeah, pretty yeah. much any day, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's a lot of fun. And Brian, I know you, you, you've taken it even one step further. You have had tremendous success with mm-hmm. you. You installed a. A flowing stream, if you will, in your yes. backyard yep. with a filter and a pump and everything else. Yeah. And I, you it's... never cease to amaze me the number of <laughs> birds that, you know, we talk about bringing in different birds that right. you would not in remotely bring in with your bird feeders. Dude, you are the poster child for this. Oh, and I love it. Um, I still have some bird baths in my yard in the front and the back, but I did install a small recirculating creek. And so there's a pool at the bottom that is about... Well, let's think. I think it's about four feet wide. It's about two feet deep. And it recirculates water to the top of a six foot long flowing creek that has a few different step downs and a couple of little catch pools in it. But it's only maybe 15, 18 inches wide and flows down towards the bottom pool. It allows different places for different depths and easy access on the different sides for the birds to come in and go to whatever level they're more comfortable with. And it's really cool that I have these different catch basins. Some are shallower, some are deeper, but none of them are more than three inches deep in those catch basins. And I have had just the most amazing variety of birds show up throughout the year. And spring and fall migration is the most fun because it's all these new and different birds that you're not normally going to get coming to any kind of bird food that you put out there yeah. uh, because it's moving water and it makes a sound and has that motion that they can see 
And that is, it's like it's a magnet for the birds. And I bet other things too. I mean, I've had I've had <laughs> different setups in my. I've got a stream right next to my house, and and the bottom line is, you know, it's not just birds. I, I am sure you have a list of, you know, frogs and and yeah. toads yep. and yep. <laughs> all kinds of other critters that have come to that stream because it is just a magnet. And and I've had folks over and. Uh, we talk about the different warblers, the different thrushes, all these different birds, mm-hmm. uh, you know, grosbeaks and orioles and just phenomenal activity. And yeah. so that's yeah, just from migration time, but all the other regular feeder birds, you know, at least half of those species are coming and, and getting drinks or bathing. So that's been really fun to have that and just to, to have that joy. A lot of times people will ask me, well, what about mosquitoes? That's a lot of water right there. And mosquitoes love to breed in water. Yep. The best part is that water is always moving. You think about the life cycle of a mosquito. They like to land on still water, lay their eggs in the water, and then the, the larvae live in there. But they have to have still water to be able to, to breathe out of the water. It's interesting. The larva of a mosquito um, breathe air, kind of like people and birds do. They don't breathe in the water. They come to the surface and stick like a little breathing straw up mm-hmm. through the the surface tension of the water to be able to breathe moving water can't do it i'm drowning <laughs> <laughs> so that's really nice to have that moving water and it prevents yeah. the mosquitoes from to, from breeding in the yard but john yeah that brings up that question what do you do about a bird bath that's gonna bring mosquitoes into my yard right well that's always the fear isn't it you know oh my god i've got all kinds of mosquitoes in my backyard and that type of thing Really, the best thing you can do for whatever water feature you have, whether it's a traditional bird bath, whether it's like my little my little vase in the backyard, keeping them clean is the number one priority. And so, you know, it's not just controlling the mosquitoes. That's important. Right. You know, but it's, you know, some people will do things uh, uh, that will just basically stop the mosquitoes and think, I'm done. I'm done. I don't need to do anything else. And the reality is you need to clean out that water source on a regular and routine basis to make sure you're providing a healthy water supply to those birds that are coming into yeah. it. So, well, we talked about it. It's like a drinking glass for them, right? Yeah. So, And it, would you drink out of a dirty water glass? <laughs> guess what birds are doing in that water glass? Yeah. Yeah. You want to get that fecal material out of there. You want to make sure it's, it's, it's just safe and clean. So... I really recommend every couple of days at minimum, you, you know, you change out the water. You, if you can you know, have a little scrub brush and just swirl, scrub brush around a little bit and clean it out and then spray it off and fill it with fresh water, you'll be doing just the exact thing you need to be doing to really help those birds out. So, John, we're talking about a lot of water in summertime, but we get a lot of questions, too. Should I offer water to the birds in wintertime? Yeah, good, good. I'm glad you went there, Brian. That's good. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, talking about the opportunity to bring different birds into your yard that you may not be able to attract with your feeders, water still plays that role in the wintertime. And again, for many birds, water, finding open water during the the wintertime becomes a, a challenge if you've got a very cold winter in an area that does not have a lot of water resources in regards to like rivers and streams that are moving and staying open longer, uh, finding open water can be a real challenge for them. So, uh, having a, a bird bath that has a heater in it to keep some water open throughout the winter is, is, a, a great thing to, to put in your backyard and, and to, again, see a lot of different birds. So, uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll cover this in more detail. I'm sure we'll do a, uh, 
an episode as we get closer to to uh, winter, and we'll talk more about you know what what the different things you can do to have open water and and the do's and don'ts, the do's and don'ts about doing it in the middle of winter time. All right, well, I think we have hopefully uh, let everybody know really seriously on, on a serious note how important this is, and especially this summer. It just seems like oh, the need yeah. to provide water is probably greater. I don't know about you, Brian, for, you know, for me, I, I think really this may be one of the most important years for us to be talking about water and asking people to provide water to their birds, especially if you're living out West. So otherwise, any, any last thoughts on, on <laughs> being all wet? <laughs> <laughs> Since we jumped right into the deep end of the ocean here. Right? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay, I think that's enough. So, so we're going to paddle we're, away. We're, <laughs> well, on behalf of Wild Birds Unlimited, I really do appreciate everyone listening today. And I hope that you really had a good time. So please rate and review us. We love looking at those. Love hearing what you have to say, even as our last episode with Evan, our producer, sharing some of our favorite uh, comments that y'all have put out there. Yeah, but don't don't rate them too highly, right, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> there might be a takeover again. <laughs> uh, we are also sponsors of uh, Bird Canada. Uh, they're gardening for birds, and we're going to have some special guests from a special guest, I should say, from Birds Canada to talk about what they're doing to help encourage people to, to garden for birds in their backyard. So, and how that translates to any yard across North absolutely, America. Absolutely, absolutely. So, until then, I think Brian and I are going to continue to let nature be our guide as always. And uh, we would ask that you please be safe and take care. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered. <laughs>